Hi, and welcome to the Masterpiece Cake Shop episode of the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. We call this episode, Not the Win We Hoped For, Not the Loss We Feared. That's because while the ruling in Masterpiece Cake Shop v. Colorado Civil Rights Commission was a narrow loss for the commission and a limited win for the discriminatory baker, it also reaffirmed the core American principle that businesses open to the public must be open to all. However, there is a lot of confusion out there on the interwebs about what this ruling actually means, even some folks claiming that it gives businesses a license to discriminate against our community. It does not. Fortunately, we are here with Professor Art Leonard of New York Law School to clear things up. Art is the chief editor and writer of LGBT Law Notes, the most comprehensive monthly publication covering the latest legal and legislative developments affecting the LGBT community here and abroad. Hi, Art. How you doing? Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, what we, what we should emphasize to people, this is a special edition. We will still have a pa- podcast about the other issues discussed in the June Law Notes, but uh, we wanted to address this case while it was fresh, and we are recording this on June 4th, uh, almost exactly 24 hours after It's June 5th. uh, June 5th, right. (laughs) June 4th is the date of the opinion. Right. So we're recording this on June 5th, exactly 24 hours after the court issued its decision, because it's now uh, quarter past 10 in the morning. And you've probably already written like 30 pieces about this case? not quite 30, (laughs) but I I have put something up on my blog, and uh, I have an article that went up on the Gay City News website last night. Awesome. So we're going to dig into this case in a second, but before we do, I just wanted to start by giving us a one-minute rundown of the facts and don't know what's going on. So in 2012, David Mullins and Charlie Craig, accompanied by Charlie's mother, Debbie, visited Masterpiece Cake Shop. Masterpiece Cake Shop is a Denver area bakery. They went in to order a wedding cake for their reception. Before even discussing the design of the cake, Jack Phillips, the bakery owner, told them that he wouldn't even sell them a cake because they were a same-sex couple. Colorado state law prohibits all public accommodations, including businesses like Masterpiece Cake Shop, from refusing service to anyone based on their sexual orientation. The couple then filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, which we'll talk about a lot more later, which found that the bakery had violated Colorado law by discriminating against Charlie and David. The bakery openly admits that it has a policy of refusing service to gay couples who are seeking wedding cakes, but argues that it has a constitutional right to discriminate based on religious and free speech grounds. The Colorado state courts rejected this defense, and the baker sought review with the state courts, and then finally with the Supreme Court, which agreed to hear this case. So that seems to be where we are. Are there any things you want to amend about my quick and dirty summary uh, of the facts, Art? Not, not to amend, but uh, to emphasize one of the facts that Justice Kennedy emphasized in his opinion for the court, uh, and that is you need to cast your mind back to the summer of 2012 and think about this case in context of what was going on at the time. Mm. What was going on at the time was that litigation was raging, challenging the Defense of Marriage Act uh, because by then several states had same-sex marriage, uh, including most notably Massachusetts, which was the first, uh, a decision that went into effect in May of uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had a unanimous decision by the Iowa Supreme Court a few years later. Yep. And then another milestone was New York's legislature enacting marriage equality in 2011. Uh-huh. So as of 2012, we had same-sex marriage in about half a dozen states. 
And so it was possible for same-sex couples who lived in Colorado to go out of state to get married. Uh-huh. The problem is when they came back, it wouldn't be recognized. Right. Because Colorado did not have marriage equality yet. Uh, and also, the Supreme Court, in terms of addressing the issues raised by marriage equality, didn't really get started doing that until the next year, 2013, when they issued the, the decision in the United States versus Windsor. Right. And that set off an avalanche of litigation, which exactly two years later culminated in the Obergefell case. Uh, and with Obergefell, we have same-sex marriage throughout the country, although Alabama was a holdout for a while mm-hmm. uh, in terms of issuing licenses. But the point to make is at the time of this incident, uh-huh. when these guys and uh, their mom went into the bakery... Same-sex marriage was not available in Colorado. Uh, in fact, it was prohibited by law. And okay. uh, recognition of out-of-state same-sex marriages were, was prohibited by law. Mm-hmm. So at that time, their marriage would have had no legal significance or standing in Colorado. The, the point is that Kennedy's decision rests on three pillars. And one of the pillars is the idea that it wasn't outrageously unreasonable for Jack Phillips to think in the summer of 2012 that he had no obligation to make wedding cakes for same-sex couples because Colorado didn't allow same-sex marriage. But uh, it was well established that places of public accommodation, and that would include any retail business selling goods to the the public, may not discriminate because of sexual orientation of their customers. And uh, in this case, Phillips... One of his arguments was, I don't discriminate based on sexual orientation. I just don't do wedding cakes for same-sex marriages because I don't believe in it. But he said to them, look, I'll sell you birthday cakes. I'll sell you cupcakes. I'll sell you any kind of baked goods that don't have to do with same-sex marriage. I'm fine with it. Uh, and and uh, another bit of evidence that, uh, I mean, there are I bits, mean, it's important to let folks right. know that if you are What's serving wedding cakes to a straight couple that walks in, but you won't sell wedding cakes to a gay couple that walks in, that's discrimination based on well, sexual orientation. Well, that's what ultimately the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and the Colorado Court of Appeals held. And uh, it's, it's interesting. One of the issues that really didn't come up too much in the, court, in the Supreme Court opinions, but there is this argument uh, that the people representing the religious objectors will raise in these cases, whether you're talking about florists or photographers or or bakers or whatever, they'll say, we're not discriminating based on sexual orientation. We just have religious objections to same-sex marriages. And that's conduct. That's not status. And the statute protects people from discrimination because of their status. And the Supreme Court decision that you refer to on this is a decision by our hero and icon, Justice Ginsburg, who wrote the opinion for the court in the uh, University of California at Hastings Christian Legal Society case, Mm -hmm. where uh, the Christian Legal Society people said, oh, we don't discriminate against gay people. We discriminate against people who engage in sodomy. You know, that's conduct. That's not categorical status discrimination. And Justice Ginsburg said that's ridiculous. And recurring back to Justice O'Connor's concurring opinion in the Lawrence sodomy case. She said the same thing. You can't disentangle status and conduct when you talk about sexual orientation because they're two sides of the same coin, really. Uh, So at any rate, in this case, Jack Phillips says, one, I'm not discriminating based on sexual orientation. I'm refusing to make a cake that is practically an illegal contraband thing in Colorado because same-sex marriage is illegal. Uh, And... uh, so, you know, we have to take those facts into account okay. in thinking about the case and thinking about how Justice Kennedy frames the opinion. So the case comes up to the court, 
And the question really was, uh, did it violate the First Amendment rights of Jack Phillips for the Colorado Civil Rights Commission to hold him in violation of the law when he had religious objections? And uh, he also made a compelled speech argument. He was hanging his hook on two different clauses of the First Amendment. He said, I am a cake artist. I custom design cakes for weddings. I engage in a creative process, and my cakes express a celebration of the wedding. Yeah. And therefore, I'm engaged in expressive conduct, and I'm protected by the First Amendment's freedom of speech clause. Right. I can't be compelled to speak a message that I don't believe in. And that's really the question that's new before the court. The court has really looked at whether... It's looked at the religious question. Yeah, whether generally applicable statutes can, you know, have exemptions for religious objectors who want to discriminate against people. This is the Piggy Park decision. Right. I I mean, there is is a long body of case law dating back to the mid-20th century uh, dealing with... uh, the, uh, the claims of people that they have a religious objection to complying with the law. And the key case there, well, the Piggy Park case is an important case in terms of retail businesses uh, having an obligation to serve everybody without discrimination. Uh, the other case that we like to point to is Employment Division versus Smith, mm-hmm. where Justice Scalia, writing for the court, said that people with religious objections to complying with the law, uh, they're out of luck if it's a neutral state law of general application, not a law that's targeted at religion. And of course, the Colorado uh, civil rights law is not targeted at religion. If anything, it protects people from discrimination because of their religion. Right. Uh, So this freedom of expression argument is a way of kind of repackaging or at least presenting a new claim to the court that weddings are inherently expressive, baking this cake is inherently expressive, and he's endorsing the wedding by by being compelled to make the cake. Right. That was certainly one of his arguments. His other argument was that he should have a religious basis, but that was an uphill battle because it would be asking the court to basically walk back part of the Employment Division versus Smith decision, which is like 25 years old, a well-established precedent written by Scalia, Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, who was no liberal. I mean, Scalia was a person who believed in the separation of church and state in in that context, that uh, we have to comply with the civil authorities. I think in in thinking about what the court has done here, uh, of the nine members of the court, we had like multiple decisions One is the official opinion for the court by Justice Kennedy, and it doesn't decide the underlying issue of whether businesses have a religious exemption from complying with neutral state public accommodation laws. That's such an important point. It it evades that question. It says, basically, we don't have to get to that question because we look at the process in Colorado and we find that it was tainted. So tell us about why it was tainted. Why it was tainted. Okay. It was tainted because two loose-lipped Colorado Civil Rights Commission members made statements on the record during the hearing in this case that Justice Kennedy says could be interpreted as evincing hostility to religion, of belittling Mr. Phillips' religious beliefs and, in, in effect, ridiculing them. And he said... This case presents important issues, which we are not going to decide. Yep. It, it, it presents the issue of uh, free exercise of religion by a business owner, which we have previously acknowledged, although he doesn't mention Hobby Lobby, but you know that the court has acknowledged that business, business owners may have free exercise claims under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. And 
it raises this speech issue, which is very interesting. He says, novel issue, it's, it's sort of, you know, we haven't addressed this one before. But, you know, the Supreme Court, and this is sort of an unwritten rule, when they're really behaving according to their unwritten rules, they try to decide a case on the narrowest basis possible. They try to avoid deciding constitutional questions that don't have to be decided to dispose of the case. So and talk about narrow. Uh, yes. This is limited right. to the facts of this specific case, right. the hostility of the Colorado Civil Rights well, Commission. That and and also uh, he points out uh, that uh, we have to think about the temporal setting of the summer of 2012, mm-hmm. and he suggests that it is arguable that Mr. Uh, Phillips the baker could have believed that because same-sex marriage was not legal in Colorado, he was on firm ground in refusing to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. Uh, he's not holding as a matter of law, mm-hmm. but he's saying that is one. And so based on these three, we think that the process was tainted because we think that these are serious questions you know, the free exercise and the First Amendment questions, they should be taken seriously, and that Mr. Phillips was entitled to a neutral government forum in which these would be decided, not a forum that was predisposed against him, that was openly hostile to his religious beliefs and disparaging of them. We think he was entitled to that, and the state of Colorado did not give him that, and therefore the commission's decision must be set aside and the court of appeals decision must be reversed. And that's fact, it. That's the fact, ruling yes, for the that's maker. the ruling that's of the case. All we... and, and, he, and he makes a point of the fact that no one else on the commission stood up to contradict these people, okay. uh, that the commission's uh, formal opinion presumably didn't overtly disavow that hostility view, and it was never mentioned in the Colorado Court of Appeals decision affirming the commission. The Colorado Supreme Court refused to review the case, so the review was directly from the Court of Appeals to the U.S. Supreme Court. Do you mind if, yeah. if we sort out some of the really... There's a lot of great language there's, in here. There's from, great stuff here. And and what I want to read first, uh, Justice Ginsburg, and for herself and Justice Sotomayor, wrote a dissenting opinion here. Great. Uh, and her first paragraph is very important. She says, There is much in the court's opinion with which I agree. And then she has several quotations from Justice Kennedy's opinion. The first one says, It is a general rule that religious and philosophical objections do not allow business owners and other actors in the economy and in society to deny protected persons equal access to goods and services under a neutral and generally applicable public accommodations law. And this is a sentence from Justice Kennedy's opinion which was signed by five other justices. Mm -hmm. So six members of the court agree with this, and of course, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Sotomayor agree with it. So that's eight out of nine. Justice Thomas is the only one who did not sign some opinion that agreed with this. Right. the next quote, Colorado law can protect gay persons just as it can protect other classes of individuals in acquiring whatever products and services they choose on the same terms and conditions as are offered to other members of the public. Once again, eight members of the court signed on to that statement. That's a big statement. That's, a, and That's the, not and, nothing. And the next one, purveyors of goods and services who object to gay marriages for moral and religious reasons may not put up signs saying, quote, no goods or services will be sold if they will be used for gay marriages, close quote. Eight members of the court signed on to that. And finally, that gay persons may be spared from, quote, indignities when they seek goods and services in an open market. 
eight members of the court sign on to that. Now, I would discount the little Gorsuch and Alito because Alito joined Gorsuch's concurring opinion in which he went a little further. Yeah. But the point of it is that Justice Rob, Chief Justice Roberts signed on to this uh-huh. without writing anything separately. Yep. And remember his vitriolic dissent in Obergefell, which he felt was a totally uh, which illegitimate from, decision. From the bench. He read from the bench. He said it has nothing to do with the Constitution. It's made up. It's political. Blah, right. Blah. And yet he signed on to this. But at any rate, so we have these four quotes from Kennedy's opinion. Right. And Kennedy's opinion includes other language that uh, expands on this. But it's, it's also important to, to note Kennedy's conclusion, which was very important, which makes it clear that this is a case that was driven by these specific facts, these three pillars that he based his decision on. And uh, he says, it is proper to hold that whatever the outcome of some future controversy involving facts similar to these the commission's actions here violated the free exercise clause and its order must be set aside. That's at the end of his introduction. And then at the end of his opinion, he says, the commission's hostility was inconsistent with the First Amendment's guarantee that our laws be applied in a manner that is neutral toward religion. Phillips was entitled to a neutral decision maker who would give full and fair consideration to his religious objection as he sought to assert it in all of the circumstances in which this case was presented, considered, and decided. In this case, the adjudication concerned a context that may well be different going forward in the respects noted above. However, later cases raising these or similar concerns are resolved in the future. For these reasons, the rulings of the Commission and of the State Court that enforce the Commission's order must be invalidated. The outcome of cases like this in other circumstances must await further elaboration in the courts, all in the context of recognizing that these disputes must be resolved with tolerance, without undue disrespect to sincere religious beliefs, and without subjecting gay persons to indignities when they seek goods and services in an open market. And this, of course, was signed by six members of the court. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a couple of really important points here. Number one, that Colorado, there is no place for discrimination under the Constitution. Um, You can't hang a sign that says no gays here. Another one is that Colorado does have a right to enforce its Civil Rights Act. As long as it provides a neutral, non-hostile form. And that this is very case-specific. It is limited to the facts of this case. And that we're going to be waiting for another day to decide some of the bigger constitutional issues that are at stake. The court did not say that there was a constitutional right to discriminate in this case. Right. Um, The court you know, did not say, did not even answer the question of whether this is expressive conduct, the the freedom of uh, speech claims that the Baker puts forward. So, you know, this, when we talk about the, the Baker winning in this case, we're talking about winning on these specific facts. And when we talk about a narrow decision, um, you know, it wasn't narrow in terms of the margins. It was narrow in terms of the issues that this court was resolving. Right. And and since the court resolved the issue based on its belief, its perception that the uh, forum was hostile and non-neutral, what it says about the other things is technically called uh, what lawyers call dicta. 
It means they're statements, observations, but they're not part of the holding as such, mm -hmm. which is one reason to warn against building castles in the sky based on the idea that eight judges signed on you know, to this language. Uh, but a but, lot of this but language a lot of it is, is going to end up in it's, it's LGBT be rights it's cases. It's going to be quoted. I, yeah. I, I, would, I would remind people that language in judicial decisions that has the least, in fact, no presidential weight at all, is language in dissents. But during the frenzied year, two-year litigation period between Windsor and Obergefell, what was the most quoted language from Supreme Court opinions by courts ruling in favor of marriage equality? It was comments from Scalia's dissenting opinions in Lawrence and Obergefell, in which he said, these is... cases open up the door to same-sex marriage, <laughs> and lower federal judges said, yeah, Justice Scalia, you were right about that, yeah. and they quoted his language. Right. So, you know... Kennedy's other statements, and I think here's one that I think is very important yeah. in terms of talking about potential religious free exercise exceptions to public accommodations law. He says, when it comes to weddings, it can be assumed that a member of the clergy who objects to gay marriage on moral and religious grounds could not be compelled to perform the ceremony without denial of his or her right to the free exercise of religion. This refusal will be well understood in our constitutional order as an exercise of religion an exercise that gay persons could recognize and accept without serious diminishment to their own dignity and worth. Yet, he says, if that exception were not confined, then a long list of persons who provide goods and services for marriages and weddings might refuse to do so for gay persons, thus resulting in a community-wide stigma inconsistent with the history and dynamics of civil rights laws that ensure equal access to goods, services, and public accommodations. So he is as much as saying... You know, in a neutral forum, they should decide this case against Mr. Phillips. Mm -hmm. I mean, th this is a... That's so strong language. There was a lot of gloom and doom at the beginning, and I don't want to be overly flowery with... Right. There's, you know, it's important to remember that you also quoted from uh, Kennedy talking about this is to be left for another day, for the right. courts to adjudicate, and that certainly opens up you know, to some degree, the floodgates of litigation right. where you've got businesses that are now going to claim, that's right, I don't have to serve same-sex couples in my hotel, in my restaurant. It opens up the floodgates of litigation right. when the court could have put a stop to this right, right. now and they said, have, absolutely and not, and, and firmly sided with LGBT well, rights and equality. And, and I think that's where Ginsburg, of course, had the right view in her dissent where she said, look, we're talking about a four-stage decision-making process in Colorado. First, they file the charge. So first, the commission has to decide whether there's probable cause. And then they decided there was probable cause to believe there was a violation, so they assigned it to an administrative law judge. Then the administrative law judge had a hearing and wrote an opinion uh, ruling against Masterpiece Cake Shop. Masterpiece Cake Shop appeals that to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, and that is the occasion at which two commissioners said things that could be interpreted. And even Kennedy admits it's not, that's not the necessary interpretation. But maybe, you know, one commissioner overstated it and said, well, people cited religion in favor of the Holocaust. That's a, a bit odd. But at any rate, his history was maybe a little shaky there. But uh, that's the only point where there was an overt expression of hostility to religion. Yeah. And then the commission's decision was appealed to the Colorado Court of Appeals, which never mentioned these statements by the commissioners. Uh, which Kennedy makes a point of mentioning. Well, they wouldn't mention them unless they were put forward as a reason to reverse, and I don't think they were at the, in, the, uh, in the Court of Appeals. But at any rate, uh, 
they could have ended it. Justice Ginsburg says, look, that in this whole four-step process, the only point where there's anything to point to as overtly hostile were these two statements by commissioners. And uh, there's no reason to believe that the decision would come out differently if they were neutral. And he's, because look at the other three forums that considered this charge have no evidence of hostility, but they decided it against Masterpiece Cake Shop as well. And she could have also said that every appellate decision around the country in state courts, because these have been almost exclusively state courts, every appellate decision has ruled the same way. That's right. Whether it's you, a wedding venue read, or flowers or photographers. If you read law notes or you listen to this podcast, right. you will know full well right. that we've talked about a lot of these cases where appellate court after appellate court has ruled that, um, similarly to the Colorado Court of Appeals here. Right. Um, but the thing to, to say now is this isn't necessarily going to be left hanging for a long time because there is a cert petition on file from Arlene's Flowers in the state of Washington. Okay. Similar the, case. Similar case. Uh, florist, florist. And dealing with a customer who she knew well and had sold flowers to him before and had a friendly relationship. And he comes in with his boyfriend and they're going to get married. And she says, oh, no, I'm not going to sell flowers for a same-sex wedding. I don't believe in same-sex marriage. Uh, and the same thing with the mother calling up later on and saying, wow. what are you doing? So you know, very similar. Very similar case. But no hostility that we know of. No, that we know of from the Washington Civil Rights Commission. So yeah. it went through the Washington agency, and then it went all the way to the Washington Supreme Court, which ruled against the florist and uh, upheld a rather substantial fine, I believe. Mm. Uh, but at any rate, that cert petition was filed last summer. It was filed just weeks after the Supreme Court agreed to review Masterpiece Cake Shop. Mm -hmm. So they did what they usually do in cases like that. They held the petition mm -hmm. without deciding whether to grant it or not. And uh, according to a report on SCOTUS blog, uh, part of their activities on Monday, in addition to, re to releasing this opinion in Masterpiece, was to direct the clerk to send a distribute to all the justices for discussion at their conference this Thursday. Yeah the Arlene Flowers petition. And uh, usually they announce the results of the conference on the following Monday, although it's possible sometimes they've announced decisions on Friday from a Thursday conference, because usually the conferences are on Friday, but they're having the conference on Thursday for some reason this week. Hmm. Uh, so it's possible that we'll know Friday or Monday whether they're going to review this case. Of course, they could take longer to discuss it. Uh, they were discussing Masterpiece Cake Shop for a long time That's before true. they granted it's cert. sat there forever. Uh, it sat there until Gorsuch joined the court. It sat there until they had an odd number of justices. But, uh, and then, so there's a possibility that the court will be addressing this issue against ne again next term. That's possible. Yeah. So they could take cert, and we could get a real ruling on the constitutional issues right. here. Or they could put term. off deciding whether to take cert until after the summer to see what the lay of the land is, because... You know, there are the rumors about Kennedy retirement, which are always being floated. Uh, Ginsburg and uh, will will turn, I think, 85 this summer. Uh, and, art, uh, don't scare us. Justice Breyer <laughs> will turn 80 in August. Okay. And we have three, well, we have to call them three elderly Supreme Court justices because Kennedy's over 80 as well. He'll be 81 this summer. Uh, the point is, these are elderly people, elderly people, you never know what the health situation will be. You never know who's going to retire. We have no idea now who's going to be on the Supreme Court next year. That's true. What if... So they may want to wait to see before they grant cert what's happening. What message court. would it send if the court denies cert and just lets the decision stand? If the court denies cert on the Washington decision, 
that is not a ruling on the merits by the court, but it certainly sends a signal that the court that just grappled with these issues in Masterpiece does not see a need to grapple with them again, maybe because of the language in Kennedy's opinion that makes it pretty clear Mm-hmm. That at least as far as he is concerned, and when Kennedy is concerned this way, you've got to assume that Kagan and Breyer and Sotomayor and uh, Ginsburg are concerned this way, that there is no general free exercise of religion exception to the public accommodation laws for people who have religious objections to same-sex marriage. Uh, it's, it's very important to get the word out, which we're trying to do with this podcast, that the court has not has not given people license to discriminate. What they've said is that's an issue for another day, and right now we're going to say that if these cases come into state agencies and courts, the people who have religious objections must be treated with the same courtesy and neutral form that everyone is entitled to in a court, and that open hostility to religious beliefs is not appropriate because it it doesn't present the appearance of justice. That's right. But the states can enforce their civil rights laws. They can enforce the civil rights laws. So what happens tomorrow if in Colorado this very same baker says, you know, a new same-sex couple walks into Masterpiece Cake Shop, they ask for a wedding cake, and Mr. Phillips says, you know, I don't don't serve wedding cakes to same-sex couples. It would seem that Colorado has a right to enforce its Civil Rights Act. Oh, yes. And now they have wonderful dicta Mm -hmm. from Justice Kennedy about how, you know, they have a right to protect gay people from the indignity of being discriminated against. So you could get a Masterpiece Cake Shop Part 2. It's it's possible. Well, I think that's all we have for this episode. Except we have an of note. (laughs) And, And this is an interesting coincidence given Justice Ginsburg's dissent yesterday. I get home from the office to find in my mail. I am a subscriber to uh, a record label called Sedil Records, which is a project of the nonprofit Chicago Classical Music Foundation, which was founded and run by James Ginsburg, the son of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And in honor of his mother's 25th year on the Supreme Court bench, he commissioned several composers to write songs about her wow. and her record on the court. Uh, and this album just arrived yesterday. It's called Notorious RBG in Song. Uh, Patrice Michaels, a prominent soprano who does a lot of recording for that label, is the singer and also the composer of uh, more than half the songs. And it has it's wonderful. I mean, they sing her some of her descents. You know, wow. they, they set to music. It's really great. And it also includes an excerpt from the opera Scalia Ginsburg by Derek Wang, oh. one of several operas celebrating the relationship between Justice Ginsburg and Justice Scalia and their debates in their opinions, because they were sharply critical of each other in their opinions. Right. But off the bench, they were great buddies. They went to the opera together. In fact, the booklet, uh, well, the booklet that comes with the recording includes a photograph of Scalia and Ginsburg in costume appearing as extras in a Washington National Opera production together. Right. So, oh, that's great. So I would say anyone who's a music lover and anyone who's a Ginsburg fan uh, should think about getting this. That includes at least this room. Yes. And, and <laughs> there, sure there's more. There, the public release date is June 8th. So uh, if you went on Amazon or other places now, you'd be pre-ordering. But since I'm a subscriber, the subscribers get them a week early before the public <laughs> release. So I've already had a chance to listen to it, and uh, I can tell you that it is massively entertaining. Oh, wow. One of the songs is a setting of a recipe for pot roast from Justice Ginsburg's mother. <laughs> 
looked is really great. I'm dead. I'm literally dead. Really great. Um, I'm going to take a picture of this. We're going to post a link in the podcast so that folks can find out more and, and, and take a listen when it comes out to the broader public. Right. But it's certainly got two thumbs up from uh, Professor Art Leonard. Right. And um, it looks truly, truly interesting. Um, so great. Thank you so much for uh, speaking with me today, Art. I'm sure our listeners are really excited to be able to have some kind of um, a little bit more clarity on what this decision did do and what it didn't do. Um, and I'm so happy that you were able to make time in this busy season during LGBT Pride season to talk to us about this case. Thanks again. Back soon.